0: Good ground for hope. I was visiting with a couple recently, and and during this time of coronavirus, they've done what most people have done. They've stayed home a lot. They haven't traveled. They haven't had a lot of contact with other people. Then they talked about what they had done with this extra space. They watched Mass online. They participated in uh, virtual rosary groups and virtual Bible studies. They sat outside in, in their beautiful backyard garden and just enjoyed the Flagstaff weather. That in this space, what they've done is they've leaned into the Lord, which has increased their knowledge of Him. It's increased their trust of Him. And it's renewed their hope that all will be well in the end. Our first reading from the Book of Wisdom speaks of several aspects of God, his, his attributes. It speaks of His might, His power, His mastery over all things. It also speaks about His goodness, His leniency, His clemency, His um, openness to our repentance, His care for all. That God is the one who is mighty and powerful. He's the one who's who's guiding all things. i would had this image of like a a, a toddler that runs up to an adult and tries to, you know, wrap their arms around his leg. It's like, that's great, but I'm still going to walk across the room, you know, that That no matter what happens in the world, God in his power is making it happen. That he he who cares for all of us, that even if there's disturbances or or people are not cooperating, that he's going to make it happen. There's this line, for you show your might when the perfection of your power is disbelieved. That just when people are not believing that you're God, you show up and do something. And in those who know you, you rebuke temerity, you rebuke fear. They don't want us timid, but instead that you want us to move and act out of confidence, out of hope and the knowledge in, in your presence and in your goodness. I, I, I kind of flesh this out here because I think, I think the greatest temptation today is a loss of hope. And I think this was true even before coronavirus. The, the belief that I, I, I don't think tomorrow is going to be better than today. You know, I, I see it with students all the time, right? It's, you know what, I blew the test, I'm going to fail out, like it's not going to work out. Or I broke up with this person, I'm never going to love anybody again, you know. Or I, I don't like who I am, or I fell into sin, and I see no reason to believe that, that it's going to get better. Well, if it's up to my power, yeah, it's, of course, it's okay to think it's not going to get better if it's up to me, but it's not up to me. That there's one who's more powerful, who's guiding all things. I've, I've heard a lot of conversations recently, you talk about hope, you know, that the reason hope's not in us, but in God, because they're like, there's a lot of people who don't have hope about what's going to happen when the college students all come back. the college students are already here, right? But when everyone else, the rest of them come back, they're like, man, we don't have hope that they're going to physically distance and we don't have hope that the coronavirus isn't going to spread all over, right? Everyone's thinking that. But our hope is not in specific outcomes. Our hope is in a specific person. That's where hope comes from. I think we, we fall into the trap of tying hope to specific things. I hope I get an A on this test. I hope this person likes me. I hope whatever. But hope ultimately, is, it, it comes from God and it leads us back to God. The, the Catechism says this, the theological virtue by which we desire and expect from God both eternal life and the grace we need to attain it. That God is moving all things for good. That God is not leaving me here orphaned, but God is going to respond and give me what I need to be with him. And I think it's just helpful to reroute our hope in God and not in anything else, not in a government Not in a political party, not in a leader, not in my ability or my resources, but him. And he is the end, eternal life, and everything else is just details. Now, I think that's what discourages, though. It's the details that make it messy. When, when I see, you know, the number of coronavirus cases go up, he's <laughs> like, ah, when I see policies that I may not personally agree with, it's like, ah. But that's why Jesus gives us this parable today. This parable of how a man had sown good seed in his field, but then an enemy comes along and sows weeds. And so later on, he doesn't realize, and then later on he sees, wait, there's... There's wheat and there's weeds. There's, there's good and there's evil, and it's all mixed together. And, and sometimes the, the evil makes it really hard to see the good. You, you watch the news enough, and you're going to feel like there's no good in the world. That, you see what I mean by like we lose our hope? If we lose our hope, it's like the salt when it loses its flavor. But Jesus wants us to have that hope. And so the Master is asked, and he says, If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat. So let them grow together until the harvest. And so, as we, as we look at our world, that's what we see. We see people who are complex and mixed. We have political parties that you can't just side with because they're complex and mixed. You have, you, have, you know, we can't put our faith in resources and abilities because. It might not be there. When I look at myself and I see my own sinfulness, my own brokenness, and I can lose hope that I'm actually growing. I can lose hope that I'm actually getting better. But Jesus is saying, it's, it, it's all there, but don't, don't lose hope. Continue to foster and grow the good. Don't look at the weeds. You could tell the master all about the weeds, but focus on the wheat and do what's good for the wheat so that the good can grow. That's why he he sandwiches in these other two smaller parables, the mustard seed. The smallest of seeds, yet becomes the largest of plants, drawing the birds of the sky to dwell in its branches. That, That sometimes it doesn't seem like there's any good. There's just a speck of good. And Jesus is saying, it's enough. Then he mentioned the yeast. The yeast, that there's a a small bit of yeast, and you put it into three measures of wheat. Uh, I looked it up. I didn't know what that meant. So it's like 10 gallons of wheat. So you have a little bit of yeast in 10 gallons of wheat, and it leavens the whole batch. That's how God works. That's why... When God wants to save the entire world, he reveals himself to one peoples. That sometimes in a family, when God wants to save a whole family, he reveals himself and starts to work through one person. And then that one family in one neighborhood, one neighborhood in one community, in one city. How does that work? I don't know, but that's what he does. My job is not to figure that out. My job is to nourish the good that I've been given. There's a, I have all sorts of examples. There's another family that, just like the first one I mentioned, that they haven't been coming to Mass, but they've been watching Mass online. They've been listening to Catholic podcasts. And, and so what are they doing? They're, they're taking the good that they can and trying to grow with it. That's our invitation. We can always find things that will bring us down, things that can discourage us, but the Lord's inviting us is to trust in His power and goodness, which is always at work, which is always bigger than anything else out there, that He's got a plan. He he knows where I am. He knows where my weaknesses are, and He's going to work through all things, even really difficult situations, for my good. And that is good ground for hope.